0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Separating from your partner can be an incredibly painful and tumultuous time, particularly when you have children. But family law specialist Kirsty Salvestro says it doesn't have to be combative. She's written a book called What Are We Fighting For? and she's hoping that it will act as a survival guide for separating couples. Hi, Kirsty. How are you? Good, thanks, Siobhan. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, you work as a mediator in out-of-court settings do you find that this type of mediation works more often than not? I do.
1: I do. Now, obviously, you know, mediation is one of those things that we do need to have two like two parties that are actually on board and, um, and that certainly goes a long way in in the outcome and, and in how things go. But, yeah, look, as, as a mediator, um, I find that if you get a, a couple who are willing and wanting is probably the, the better word to try and reach reach a resolution, then we definitely get some really great outcomes.
0: Where is it that couples can become unstuck?
1: Look, Um, I focus very much on behaviour when it comes to my mediations. When I talk about behaviour, I start off sort of talking with the couple about focusing on their own personal morals and values to make sure that they stick to those when we're conducting a mediation. And then when we focus on their behaviour, it's very much about not being that reactive, aggressive that's some, you know, responsive behaviour that often um, comes when people are quite emotional. So that, though, is obviously the point where sometimes things can come a little bit unstuck if people really can't manage to stick to their own behaviour guide, is what I call
0: it. It sounds like um, that is a really great principle to have, but I imagine is quite difficult to. Um... To put into pr- practice when you're um, separating, especially if you've got children and you're trying to work things out, do you ever say to your to the people you're helping find a resolution that, you know, seeing a counsellor themselves is a really good way to try and manage those behaviours, as you call them?
1: Yeah, look, 100%. Um, so I'm definitely no counsellor. I've just got a lot of experience with dealing with people in a really highly emotional state. But part of my process and definitely a lot of the tips and tools that I provide in my book is to really get people to be ready for mediation before they go to it. And that might involve them going and seeing a counsellor. I also recommend some really great parenting courses, you know, to do with communication or even just coping with the separation and how to talk to your children. So I really actually get people to tick a lot of boxes before they get into the mediation room and I find that really helps with focusing on their behaviour because tried, they're already working on and dealing with those things before they get to me.
0: I know there are parenting courses for um, parents generally, but are there um, specific places you can go to learn how to manage a separation with kids? Look, um, the courses tend to be quite general. There is some really great courses that, you know, are
1: offered by the government through Relationships Australia. They have some, you know, some really great ones that probably are very much focused on that. As to how to cope, that, you know, is maybe not, sort of a course that they would provide I mean they do provide some support services and you know there's a couple of courses called like Flying Solo I think and Parenting After Separation they're really good but obviously very base programs now I am finding that there are a lot more of those sorts of courses and you know very specific to post-separation that are coming out now But generally, I tend to find that if people have a one-on-one counsellor, it tends to work better because everybody's different and everybody's scenario is different. So sometimes a general course on that issue, my clients are telling me anyway, isn't really helping as much as the counselling, for instance, because the counsellor can assist them with really direct work on on the partner's behaviour, on their behaviour, or even the children's behaviour to help them directly.
0: Speaking about your book, you talk about having your own team, like making sure you have your own team when you are going through this experience. What do you mean by that?
1: So I'm very big on this being, um, I mean, we talk about, I guess, uh, it takes a tribe to, you know, raise a child. I think it actually also takes a tribe to help people through separation. So I very much focus on people creating a really great team around them. Now, that might look different for everyone. And that's one of the things I guide and work with couples to make sure we have created the right team around them before they do mediate or negotiate in some other way. Now, that team can consist of so many different things. And I do find it's sometimes very specific. But, you know, look, we'd be looking at whether it's a counsellor so that they have counselling for themselves. It may be just GP support if they've got some mental health issues, might need a mental health plan perhaps. There might be counselling required for the kids. It might be family counselling. We also then incorporate the courses. Um, but this also then potentially involves more on the financial side of things, potentially talking to an accountant or a financial planner And, look, sometimes even just having someone really great on your side that's not a professional but someone who's really level-headed and can keep you on track and not, you know, in that emotional state, Um, I tend to find a lot of people have the really emotional supports and then they have the really practical supports. And I'm very much focused on making sure they have a really wide range of, of those things to make sure that they have every little box ticked before they start negotiating or moving forward.
0: I'm not sure if this is a good analogy, but they do say when you're raising kids to um, know which battles you want to fight and which ones you want to walk away from. (laughs) Is that true of mediation as well? Like, um, you know, in a less combative way, do you need to know where you're going to negotiate or where you're willing to negotiate and where you need to stand firm before you enter into discussions
1: look that's that's a perfect analogy the way I look at it is um, I work really strongly with people to create lots of different um, goals set their goals and um, also look at all the different options now one of the reason we do that is because exactly that sometimes there's a couple of things on this list that might seem really really important at the time but I try and get people to look at it from a perspective to go okay, look, five years down the track, if you've spent six weeks arguing over this particular issue that's really not going to make a massive change in your long-term outcome... But what it does is it means you completely destroy your relationship with your ex-spouse and you can't both attend their year 12 graduation and talk to each other. Do you really want that? So I do often say to people, is this really a battle that you want to pick that you will then lose potentially communication and relationship long term over? So definitely really wise that people need to look at what battles it is that, that are going to, that they really need to choose.
0: I know that it is encouraged for couples to mediate out of court because, once again, the family court system, it can be very drawn out, expensive and painful for everyone involved. But if mediation is reached out of court, how are those discussions or agreements made to last? I mean, um, I guess if it was me, I would want to know how it would become a lawful agreement and not just something that's um, written on paper or, you know, not an email, not a handshake, but something that should my ex-partner choose to renege on the agreement, I can go back to it and say, hold on a minute, this is what you agreed to. We need to stick to this plan.
1: Yeah. Now look that's really important. So with mediation, mediation all is all about just trying to get the couple to reach an agreement. So that is getting through all those barriers, getting them to both agree on a particular outcome and and looking forward. But you know, nine times out of ten, once they get to that agreement, we do then send it on to be actually written up as a formal agreement. And so, when I work through a mediation, we make sure that all everything is covered, so that there's nothing that could potentially fall over when they do go looking, writing it up. So, there's a couple of ways that we can do that. Um, If it's just a parenting matter, for instance, they can do what's called a parenting plan. Now, that isn't legally binding, and some people don't want it to be because they need it to be very flexible. So that's really just evidence of their agreement and they write it up and it's it's formalised. And if they ever need to come back to it, they can. The other more formal way, as you say, if someone's really wanting to make sure that it's legally binding and they both have to stick to it, is to do a set of what's called consent orders. And that's your formal agreements written up. Now, some mediation firms do offer that as an add-on service, but otherwise you can go to your lawyer and they can write up the consent orders formalise your agreement and that gets sealed by a judge or a magistrate in the family courts. Um, They don't have to go to court. Um, They don't need to appear or anything like that. It's just done in chambers. So it's a pretty straightforward process.
0: And do you have many couples coming back to you if that road plan that they've worked so hard on uh, does deviate or it doesn't it isn't as flexible as they need it to be or if they fall out. So they've come to mediation and something happens, let's say an ex finds someone new and gets married, then all of a sudden the other partner decides they're not happy with the plan. I mean, do people come back to mediation for you? Um, I haven't had many come back, no,
1: but it is something that does happen. If it's a parenting plan, often I get people to write in there that if some or even in the consent orders, if there is a problem or a dispute in the future, rather than going to court, do come back to mediation and sit down and work it out again. um, If something significant has changed, rather than going to court and getting, you know, starting litigation, it's a really great option to be able to come back to mediation. But I guess in the past, I've probably had one or two over, you know, maybe the last 10 years that have had to come back. And that was really due to some significant change in circumstances. I tend to find that most couples, once they get that first agreement in place, they increase their communication. They seem to be able to get along a lot better because there's no more of this stress and anxiety about how they, you know, what's going to happen. And they manage to figure it out quite well themselves
0: but as you say I guess the key to mediation working is that both parties have to want it to work that way would you say that's right
1: yeah look at the start, i mean definitely and usually that's when both parties want to actually go to mediation and really work and they both have in their mind I really would like agreement I don't want to go to court so that's usually the purpose of why they commence the mediation often during the mediation, you, they might be at completely different levels where one's, you know, completely combative to what the other one wants. But that's, I guess, the job of the mediator <laughs> to try and find all those differences, work with them, try and find some common ground and work on as many positive aspects of, of their um situation as they can so i mean certainly there are some couples that mediation is just not appropriate um, you know we have to do quite vigorous intakes to make sure that it is first of all suitable for mediation i mean obviously if there's some domestic violence or any other influences there that that could you know um, inhibit somebody's ability to be able to negotiate properly then we do have to say look it's not suitable for mediation But so, you know, we kind of knock that bit out at the the start, I suppose, if it's a really inappropriate matter for mediation. But the common ground is that most people do want to settle. So even though they might be a long way apart, we we do have, we just have to work harder sometimes if they're (laughs) on the complete opposite ends of the scale.
0: Well, it sounds like a tough job. um, And I hope this book can help people find a more amicable way to separate. Thank you so much for speaking with us, Kirsty. Thank you. That's family lawyer, Kirsty Salvestro. Her book is called What Are We Fighting For? And you'll find links to the book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.